0: I uh, sent a text message this week to someone that I know relatively well, but who I mainly catch up with in person. Because I know the person quite well, I launched straight into my message without introducing myself. I got straight to what I had to say. However, because we know each other in person, they didn't have my number saved in their phone And so the reply a few minutes later read, Becca, question mark. (laughs) I wonder if you've ever had that experience. My friend uh, had guessed correctly because she'd looked for clues in what I'd said in my message to work out who I was. Today, we're beginning a new sermon series looking at the letter to the Hebrews. And unlike all of the other New Testament letters, the author launches straight into the message without any introductions. For example, if you've got the church Bibles open, you can just look across the page. Uh, In the letter that comes before Hebrews, the letter uh, Philemon, uh, it begins like this. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. It's full of introductions, who it's from and who it's to. The letter that comes after Hebrews, James, begins, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Introductions, who it's from and who it's to. In Hebrews, we're told neither who the letter is written by nor who it's addressed to. We're not told the author or the audience. However, just like my friend had to do with my text message, from reading the letter, we can get some further context about the writer and the recipients so i'm going to attempt to give us some context and we're going to look around uh, hebrews for that and i'm hopefully going to do that without preaching any of the sermons uh, coming up in the series so what do we know about the writer of the letter well they were likely a jewish christian familiar with the greek old testament and they were not an eyewitness of Jesus. Uh, Hebrews chapter two verse three recalls how the salvation announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him. So they're once the writers once removed from Jesus. The writer was, however, in touch with Timothy. We get that from chapter 13, verse 23, and ends the letter in a style similar to the Apostle Paul. Now, letters would usually have been written to be read out. And Hebrew seems to have been carefully written for this purpose. It has the feel of a homily or a sermon, or even a sermon series. In the Greek New Testament, and I'm sure Anne's relieved this uh, isn't the case in the English, the whole of the passage we had read to us this morning is one sentence. And just in the first verse five of the Greek words begin with the letter P. So you can imagine the alliteration uh, as the letter was read out. So who would the likely hearers of this letter have been? Again, we don't know for certain, but from some of the information we have at the end of the letter, we're still in uh, chapter 13 just for the moment, a house church, possibly in a city, possibly Rome, seems likely. We have a reference in uh, verse 14, we're in chapter 13, uh, verse 14, to not having an enduring city here, which suggests an urban context. And then at the end of the chapter in verse 24, to greeting all the leaders, which suggests a small, number of small churches meeting in homes that together make up the church in the city. We also have a reference to those from Italy sending their greetings. Now, this could either mean that the writer is in Italy or that the writer is elsewhere, and those from Italy who are with him are sending their greetings, perhaps back to those in Rome. We know that the recipients of the letter are experiencing persecution. We're in chapter 10 now, which refers to the suffering of the earlier days, verse 32. And then uh, forward a couple more chapters to chapter 12, to not yet having resisted to the point of shedding blood. As we go through the letter to the Hebrews, we'll see that those to whom the letter was written, were familiar with the Old Testament, in particular the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. So, all of this indicates that the audience, the recipients, the hearers of the letter were Jewish Christians facing persecution, and it would fit for this to be in Rome under Emperor Nero sometime between AD 64 and AD 70. The senses that they are receiving this letter because, in the face of persecution, the Jewish Christians are losing confidence in their Christian faith. Rather than growing as disciples of Jesus Christ, they are retreating. So, we're back to chapter 1 and we're staying in chapter 1 now. The message of the whole letter that the first three verses of chapter 1 introduce is that God has spoken his ultimate word in sending Jesus. God has spoken his ultimate word in sending Jesus. What then follows in the rest of this letter is teaching on who Jesus is and how he's the fulfillment of the Old Testament and exhortation not to stop following him. And as we go through the series, we'll discover this pattern of teaching and exhortation. Now, when I first uh, started here, I met many of you for the first time on Zoom, email, or the phone. And it was a blessing that we have the technology that made this possible. But you often get to know people quicker and better in person, having a passing conversation or doing a task together. You have more information about what the person is like when you're sharing everyday life. On an email, you don't get the tone of voice. On the phone, you wouldn't know how to recognize me. And while Zoom was very helpful under the circumstances, I found conversation could sometimes be a challenge, either because of the internet speed or just knowing when to speak so you don't speak at the same time as someone else. Throughout the Bible, God has chosen to speak to us to reveal himself to us. God speaks at creation, let there be light. God speaks to Moses from the burning bush, that's Exodus 3. To Elijah in a gentle whisper, that's 1 Kings 19. God speaks through his prophets. And now, God has spoken by his son. God's ultimate word is his son, Jesus. The New Testament is the fulfillment of the Old Testament because in Jesus, the revelation of God is complete. Jesus is God speaking, revealing himself to us. The best way for us to understand who God is, is through God in Jesus coming to live on earth among us. A bit like how I was just describing, we get to know each other deeper and quicker and better uh, in person. Or if you want a different illustration, uh, perhaps that of a sketch that becomes transformed into a beautiful painting. That's the kind of idea here. Sometimes this reading from Hebrews is read on Christmas Day. And you can probably hear echoes of John's Gospel and the word becoming flesh. And so this is a really great series for us to be starting at the beginning of 2023, discovering more of who God is through his son, Jesus, the God that the baby in the manger reveals to us. God's ultimate word is his son, Jesus, because he is the radiance of God's glory, what an awesome expression, and the exact representation of his being jesus perfectly reflects god's glory and jesus perfectly reflects god's character we often use uh, metaphors when we're trying to capture something that there's just not the words for and that's what's going on here these phrases are trying to express that jesus is the perfect impression of god like looking in a mirror, like a stamp, like a wax seal, like the rays of the sun are to the sun. Through Jesus, God reveals himself. Jesus is the heir of all things, verse 2. Jesus is the creator of all things, that's also verse 2. Jesus is the sustainer of all things, that's verse 3. Jesus is there at the beginning, through whom also he made the universe, provides purification for sins through his death and resurrection, and is there at the end, at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. This is Jesus, through whom God speaks his life-transforming message of good news to us. Heir of all things, creator of all things, sustainer of all things. One of the themes we were thinking about last making mission possible was hope in the midst of persecution. And the letter to Hebrews is, in many ways, its own series of sermons on that theme. Continuing to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ in the face of persecution. For most of us, it's probably not persecution that leads us to question or retreat from our Christian faith or just to be content where we are to stop growing. But I'd like to suggest, certainly if I look at my own life, that it's distractions, what we prioritize in our lives that lead us to question or retreat from our Christian faith or to stop growing. It was suggested to me a number of years ago that what you worry about most is a good indicator of what matters most. I'll leave you to reflect on whether you think that's true for you. We can be distracted by the need to appear successful or by the need for approval from others or by believing that a new car or a bigger house or more money or the latest gadget will make us feel better. We can be distracted by all sorts of things that promise us a better life and forget to look to Jesus, who shows us a better way. I was uh, listening to a podcast this week, you'll have picked up by now, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and it was on how we're discipled by our phones. Not if we're discipled by our phones, but how we're discipled by our phones. How they can become the first thing we reach for, how they feed our need for instant, instant information, instant reactions, instant responses. How they can stop us deepening our relationship with God and growing in our identity in Jesus as children of God. I certainly recognise those things in my relationship with my phone, and I try to make sure I am intentional about having times away from technology. So whilst we may not be experiencing persecution, the letter to the Hebrews invites us to ask ourselves, how big do we believe God, who speaks by his son Jesus, really is. Is he for us the heir of all things, the creator of all things, the sustainer of all things? Do we always believe Jesus offers us a better way? Or do we get distracted looking for a better life elsewhere? This series is an opportunity to see Jesus more clearly and to be changed As we let go of our ideas of who he is and instead see Jesus afresh or perhaps for the first time as the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. As we do this, my prayer is that we will be taken out of the ordinariness of our lives and I think we so easily retreat into the ordinariness of our lives, the ups and downs that we will be taken out of the ordinariness of our lives to worship God for who he is and what he's done. Jesus, the better way in every circumstance. Amen.